And let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for this day. Um, God, it, we're blessed to have early summer weather, be able to enjoy outside. And God, thank you so much for your creation and the chance to, to worship you this morning with other sisters and brothers in Christ. We can raise your name and praise you for who you are. God, help us to focus in on what you have to teach us this morning. Uh, we pray in your name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, turn to somebody near you. Say good morning. Give them a hug. And uh, then grab a seat. Somebody near you. You can tell here that the early, early, hot weather. You know, you can always tell in Rochester. When you had warm weather. Yeah, early summer-like weather, where people feel summery, not like today is not one of those days, but for the whole week, we've had July weather, and you can tell, have you noticed on Facebook, people are posting camper pictures, they're posting campsite pictures, Fires outdoor. It's like we're in July right now, and I think people are pretty excited. And that's really, it's a treat for us. We don't normally have this kind of nice weather early, and, and so I hope you're out some in it. Uh, and I know that um, we'll get the chance. Today's pretty cold, though. I was like, wow, we, we swing hard the other way, too, uh, very quickly. But I'm really glad that you're here this morning, and uh, I want to just share a couple of things with you. First of all, uh, if you would take a few minutes. And take your connection card out. And I want to I want to share a couple of quick things with you, and we'll jump into the message today. Uh, first of all, um, it, it just if you would uh, take a minute and uh, and fill out the information there. But then on the other side, a couple of quick things uh, to note. Um, today we're having a women's uh, a meeting right after the service. I hope you could be here. It'll be right after the service, maybe five or ten minutes to talk about kind of our upcoming brunch next week, but also just to connect uh, with a few people, uh, connect with other ladies here at Discovery. And so I hope you'll stay for that, or uh, just uh, maybe if you, if you can't stay, maybe come for a few minutes and, and uh, just connect and hear how they're doing and what they're doing and, and those kinds of things. Also, next week is the Women's Brunch. If you haven't signed up for that, I hope you can come. hope you'll bring a friend to come. It's a great opportunity. We're having a special uh, speaker from Agape uh, Christian Counseling. It's going to be awesome. She's a great lady. She's coming to speak. Um, and there's going to be some music and some other great things. I hope you can come. On the back of your connection card, there's a place for you to sign up. If you can bring a friend, you can let us know that. There's also a table right around the corner here as well. And you can let us know um, that. Also, we have um, two quick uh, you know, things I want to share with you. Next Sunday, for the first time, we're going to have... Um, a guest here. Um, it's a new intern that's coming to spend the summer with us. His name is Cody Mathis, and he's a young man. Uh, goes to college at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. He's going to be here for eight weeks, just helping us reach out in the community. And so, here's what I'd love for you to do: take on your uh, on your uh, connection card or on your message notes, and just if you'd write his name down, Cody Mathis, and uh, you would just be praying for him this morning because it's a he's coming here. He actually is from Syracuse. So he's not too far away, but um, the fact that he's giving up a summer and coming to spend with us and serve here and do some different things, I I think it's really great. So if you would just pray for him, uh, that would be great. Uh, Then also on the back of your connection card, 
We have a mission team at, uh, of, of middle school and high school students and adults coming the week of Ju- uh, June the 16th through the 21st. So that's like a Tuesday through Sunday. And during that week, uh, they're going to be serving in our community on behalf of Discovery and doing projects, yard work projects and all kinds of things. And uh, if you can just be praying for them as well, and if you would like to get involved with that, you can talk to me after the service and I'll tell you how you can be involved in that. But here's what we would love to know from you. If you know someone who is elderly or disabled, who needs help in their yard uh, in the, during that week, that lives kind of in this area, Gates, Chilai area, um, let me know that because we are trying to serve people in our community. And we've started doing that some. In fact, um, we had some help from our police chief here in Gates who posted it on their Facebook page on behalf of the church. And it got over 40 shares and uh, many different likes and many comments. In fact, we've already started helping some people in the community. And I've gotten, honestly, 8 or 10 or 12 requests for help from people in need. So... Um, they're going to do this during that week, and, and we're going to be able to help them. So if you know someone, I thought it would be great for us to be, able to, uh, to be able to utilize this team and some people in our church to help someone that you know, if you know someone that needs help. Um, for example, um, our neighbor next door to us is elderly, and he has a home that has a lot of stuff going on, and um, his family comes and takes care of it and stuff, but... We went over and talked to him, right, and said, hey, we'd love to come and help you in your yard a little bit. And uh, he was thrilled about that. So maybe you know someone like that. And if you do, you can write that on the back of your connection card. Just write down the name or, or, or let me know that you have someone in mind that might could benefit from that. And uh, we'll, get them, we'll get them signed up, right? Signed up, ready to go. Who loves yard work in here? Wow. One person. Okay. No, there's two in the back. Two in the back. Wait, raise your hands again. Keep them up so we can all see who you are. Who despises with a passion yard work? Hello, people, my friends. Okay. Who's on the fence? Anybody? All right. That's not bad. All right, so a few of you. So all of you on the fence. I really dislike yard work, but it has to be done, and you know what? It's, it's a great way. Let me tell you about the woman that we serve, just real quick, and then we'll jump in. On Thursday, our group, we meet Thursday night, um, we started doing a service, service project every month. You know, we do this kind, of, this kind of cycle where we teach and talk about, discuss scripture and things two weeks, and then we go out one week, serve, and then one week we fellowship and have a meal and invite people in. This week we went and we did somebody in the community. We, we, we served them and pulled the weeds and stuff, and... And uh, it was just, it was fantastic. Uh, we did it on a Thursday night, and, uh, and uh, it was so great to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It, it really was. Not, and there's lots of ways to do it, right? Not just this way. But the greatest thing was she, she people feel the need to pay for <laughs> services. Don't, they, don't you feel that way too? I mean, you can relate to this, right? Somebody comes and works at your house for a long time. Don't you want to get your wallet out yeah, and go... You know, this will feel better to me if I do something here or write a check or whatever. And it's just kind of natural. You want to pay for it. But we, we really, she, she, hit, she did the same thing, mm-hmm. and uh, we wouldn't take it. And uh, we just said, this is, this is how we get to live for Christ. This is us on mission. 
helping people in our neighborhood and loving people in Jesus' name. Hands and feet of Jesus. We don't need this. And, uh, and, uh, and we just got to pray with it. It was just awesome. So I hope you'll begin to pray for this team, and I hope that we'll get to do that some together. Uh, we serve at Cameron. We serve at a lot of different places, but this is really, it really is fun, and it, it really is a great way to connect. So think about it. If you think of anyone who could benefit from this, let me know. Hey, we're going to kind of continue in our series uh, if you can get your mind uh, back to this idea of joy, we've been in this series about joy, and uh, you know, how do you even have a series about joy for more than a couple of weeks? Well, because there is really a lot of misunderstanding about it, and I think people really strive, and they strive, and they strive to be happy, you know? How many people do you know right now who, who, who said to you in the last month, last year, they just want to be in a happy place. They just want to be in a place where they're happy with their life. You know, maybe you've even said that because you're feeling discouraged or down or whatever. And those are real things, right? Those are, those are real things. But, but the follower of Christ is, is, is not free, right? We're not free of hardships, okay? I know that's, that stinks. We're not free of hardships. We're not free of disappointments, right? Everybody with me? We're not free of frustrations. We have it as well. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of Philippians is this idea that as you grow in your relationship with Christ, and as you deepen in your relationship with Christ, and as you experience His love and, and know Him more and experience His grace, right? Then joy will be produced in your life. And that the joy will not be subject, right? Everybody with me? To all the circumstances and things that might tend to pick you up. Now, how many of you think sometimes your life is like, this day is not going well today? <laughs> Anybody? This, this day. On our trip to Texas, right? Yeah. I, I, I've never. Honestly, I'm, I'm driving and um, I left the gas cap off of the car and the door open. But I'm in my own world, like here, like, and there was a woman next to me for a good five minutes going, <laughs> <laughs> and so leave it to children to set you right. My daughter goes, dad, look at the woman next to you. And I, here's me. And she's going, one of those moments. But sometimes, so I pulled off and I like, I'll, you know, the gas cap was flailing around and I'm like, this is great. And I pull off and I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of those days, you know. But other things happen, right? Where you get a phone call from someone and it's not a good phone call or it's just, you know, you're like, what's wrong with them? <laughs> Have you ever done that? You're like, what's wrong with that? And then, so what happens is a person that's fallen Christ that has joy in them. Maybe over, over these few little things, you allow those things to kind of come in and start to kind of permeate in your mind and your heart. And, and, and so what happens is then uh, what would be kind of the joy in Christ that's built in your life, starts, you distract, you get distracted, but it starts to diminish. You start focusing on other things, you start looking at other things, and, and by and large, that, that sense of joy, that, that, that sense of profound joy you have in Christ begins to diminish and be obscured by the other things in your life. So how can we live daily, right, and experience joy? How can we do that? And, and how, can we, 
How can we understand this? Now, Paul, in, in Philippians chapter 3, he's been writing this letter. And if you follow in your notes here, uh, it, it really kind of, he starts off this, this first chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3, and he's been writing this letter to the church, and he's been encouraging them, right? And so we've gone through Philippians 1, we've gone through most of Philippians 2, we're skipping a little section at the bottom. And now we're in Philippians chapter 3, and he, he, he's been saying the same thing kind of repeatedly, right? And you're kind of like Paul, quiet with the joy stuff, right? I mean, you just, okay buddy, we got it. But so we get, we get to the next place, he breaks, he breaks into another piece about someone he's sending back to a town. And then look at what he says right at the beginning of this. It's right on the front of your notes. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. You're like, okay, dude, we got it. But listen, the point here is, and the reason he keeps coming back to it is because so easily you can be living in a place where you're not experiencing the joy that is rooted in Christ. Listen to me. I believe a lot of believers are living so much joyless lives. Because they're putting the, the priority and the emphasis on so many other things to experience what they seem to think is joy. But joy can only come, listen to me, only come from Christ. Only come from Christ. So he says this, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord, right? How are you rejoicing? Say it with me. In the Lord. How are you rejoicing? In the Lord. Okay, I know you're like, please stop making us repeat things. It's early. But why I'm trying to do this is because you really can lose sight of it. Then he says, I never get tired of telling you these things. You're like, okay, thank you for that. And then he says, and I do it to, and I want you to underline this, okay? Safeguard. I do it to safeguard, right? To safeguard your faith. Why? Why to safeguard your faith? To safeguard your faith because, you know what? As you get attacked and as things happen, that, that it can actually be, and I think that Paul is saying this, a blow to your faith. I think over time, the experience of your life, if it's, if it's hard and difficult that, that it, can, it can blunt the joy that you might receive in Christ. Amen? I mean, it can. And so how can we do this on a daily basis? Right? How, how, does, it, how does it work? Okay? Because sometimes I think we just try to will it to happen. We get up. Have you ever done this? Today it's going to be different than yesterday. <laughs> And you go in and your wife or your kid is there and you're like, I am happy today. <laughs> maybe you don't say it that way. This is, but you're mentally, you're like, maybe you don't say it, but you're thinking it. Um, this today is going to be different. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. You get in your car. It's the first challenge just to drive somewhere. And then you get to work. Second challenge. More people. If I could only work in a, in a room alone with no one. And that would be a successful day. Everybody with me? If I don't have to work with other people, that'd be great. I just wait at people throw a window and go. But see, that is not, that's not real life. That's not real life. So Paul wants to give us this, this truth, okay? So what are the daily practices? I want you to think about the daily practices. 
The way Paul starts this off, the way Paul starts this off is that some people were saying early in this church, this is kind of a weird topic, but for, for the Jews, the covenant, one of the, the primary covenants, uh, the covenant signs for Jewish people was, was that they would do certain things. And there were rituals and there were things that had to be done. Some dietary regulations, some keeping weekly and annual holy days. Everybody with me? And doing some of these things. And in the New Testament, the marker for being a Jew was to be circumcised. I think that's a weird thing to say in a church. Everybody's like, well, great, he's bringing that up. But, but that's the mark for the Jewish covenant. But now Paul is saying, no, to follow Christ, that's how you become a follower of Christ. And there are some people that are saying, it's Jesus plus something else. That makes you a follower of Christ. And Paul's saying, right here at the first, that's not true. That's not true. So, so in fact, on your notes, I want you to put down Jesus plus, and then draw a blank. Jesus plus, and then draw a blank. Because that will let you know that at the beginning of Philippians chapter 3, that is what some people were saying. Some people were trying to add to what it meant to follow and trust Christ. They wanted to add something else to following Christ. Now, we still do this today, some. We do it differently. We say it differently. We, we, we can do this. But, but Paul's saying, no, this isn't true. In fact, he's calling it out and saying, this isn't true. And so then he gives kind of five things to experience the joy in Christ and to focus on experiencing the joy in Christ every day. But to, but to, to focus on who Christ is in your life and make him supreme. Make him focus the focus of your life. Now, here's the, num- the number one kind of way to think about this as a daily practice. The daily practice here, number one, is to relax in God's grace. Now, this is something that I think a lot of Christians really struggle with. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, he says this, you know, kind of starts with that first verse. And then he talks about, um, talks about in verse 2 to watch out. And he calls them dogs. That's terrible, huh? He's so, that's not a good thing. You know, he says, watch out for these dogs who want to add this extra thing to becoming a follower of Christ. That's not true. And then he continues on. If you look at uh, verse 3, he says, he says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. And he says, we put no confidence, right, in human effort. I want you to underline that. I want you to underline that. Uh, because it's very important. And I, I broke this verse apart because I wanted you to focus on these two pieces, okay? We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. And listen, <coughs> the believer in Christ many times becomes a follower of Christ. They become a follower of Christ. And then immediately... Very soon after, start adding extra things they feel like they have, to, they have to do to be somebody who is approved by God. In fact, sometimes people will look at, at the different things that are happening in their lives. Yes, would you? Get, that would be great. They look at the different things that are happening. They look at their lives and they go, oh gosh, you know, I, I think I need to do more for God. Right? Have you ever, have you ever, I mean, we, we don't exactly say that, but we're like, you know, I better do something good. It's been a long year and I haven't done very much good, so I better do something. 
I better do something. Because we, and, and, and it isn't out of God's grace and the richness of His grace and understanding who He is. It is a, it's feeling guilty that I've got to do something. You know why you should do something? Because out of the abundance of God's grace, you know His deep love for you and His love for someone else. That's how you respond, right? You respond out of that reality, not the, not the guilt reality. Everybody with me? And so much, I feel sad for churches. Mine too, this one, the one that Jesus owns. This church and all the churches in Russia. Sometimes we can be guilt machines. You know what? I, I saw a phrase that was so great. Somebody was like, I have to go to church. That sounds like a bummer. Uh-huh. Have to. God bless you. I'm going to die up here. No. In front of you. No. Then one of you will be on the spot to do the sermon. <laughs> no pressure, huh? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you're like, oh, I have to go to church. Because I haven't been. I have to go. Well, I better show up and because we're doing this thing. I have, you know, I better be involved. You don't have to be involved. What about serving and loving someone? What about going to Cameron? I mean, these are all things that potentially could be guilt things, okay? But but it's not a have to. It's a you get to. Right. Mm-hmm. You get to do these things because Christ has saved you. We are the church of Jesus. You get to do these things. You don't have to do them. You get to glorify Christ. By your actions. Why? Because of His good work in you. Because of His, because of his growth in you. So when Paul, says, when Paul says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, we put no confidence in human effort. He's coming from the standpoint of saying, look, we've got to be able to relax in God's grace. We can't continue to go back to this idea that we have to add more and more to somehow be in a place where God looks at us and goes... You are wonderfully made. And I'm utilizing you. I'm growing you. But, but see, we do that often. Now, now, here is kind of a danger. And this is where Paul had a danger. This is where he had struggles. The danger or the struggle area is to become kind of a legalist. You can write that down. See, Paul says, I, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. So, it isn't his, his, his value and his re- reality of, of following Christ isn't based on what he would do. But now, sometimes people do that and they go, well, look at how I'm doing and look at how holy I am. I mean, nobody says it this way. They're like, look at what I'm doing. I'm going to church. I'm doing these things. I'm doing these things. And, and, I'm, and I think God will be happy and f- favorable toward me. That I'm, I'm putting weights on a scale. Have you ever seen that? And you're like, I'm putting more on the good side. You know, and I'm, and I'm hoping it comes out. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that I have enough good stuff. You know, a lot of people say that. If you go up to someone at one of these events, like the Lilac Festival, whatever, say, how do you get to heaven? How do you have a relationship with God? Some people say, just be a good person. I just want to be good. And really what they're saying is, I just want to keep doing the good things so that hopefully one day, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what's out there. But maybe one day I'll put enough good deposits, enough coins, enough credits This is not the way it works. You are not good. You can be. Everybody smile. Everybody's like, oh God. 
you, you all look, oh God. Yeah, but, but I'm not saying, I love you. But you're good because of Christ. Not because of you. Now, I like you plenty. <laughs> we like you. Right? I hope you like me. But listen, on a dark day, I'm not good. On a good day, I'm not good. I'm an evil man. Everybody's like, oh, we got to get out of here. <laughs> well, let me explain what I'm talking about. I don't want to belabor this point. I want you to understand, this is all about Jesus. This is his church. This is his city. Your family is his family. You understand this? Yes. The places you don't see where he's working, he is. The areas where you think are gone and lost causes, you're wrong. You gotta learn. To relax in God's grace. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Really. Take a deep breath. God died for you on the cross and rose again. To give you eternal life and purpose and joy in this life. Why do you want to keep adding more heavy baggage to your life to carry? Now out of that grace we do good works, don't we? Out of that love, we do good works. But not so that we can gain approval with God. It is to bring glory to His name. So you can become a legalist and go, look what I've done, look what I've done. Paul said he was the best legalist. He'd done all kind of stuff. He'd followed every rule. Every little thing. Oh, I got you. Oh, I showed up up early for church. No, I was there 10 minutes earlier. (laughs) Sorry, I'm better than you. Oh, I served. This week we did grasses. You're like me with that guy that's like, oh, I pulled weeds this week and helped an old lady. Oh, I did six women this week. And we pulled weeds at all of their houses. And you only did one. And you're like, oh, I fixed 20 cars. I did 30. And you're like, have you ever been around someone like that? And you're like, oh, God, give me a knife. I'm going to slit their throat. But see, that's the danger and the trap of being a legalist. You end up counting. You end up counting things to build up your righteousness. And, but but, but it's, it's a mistake. It's a trap. So daily, you have to remember that you're in God's grace. You have to remember to relax in God's grace. And here's number two. Remember what matters most. Remember what matters most. I know we spent a lot of time on that one, but it was important. Remember what matters most. Most of what you think matters is, is, it can be trivial. One time I had an argument with my wife. I did not ask her to tell the story. So I feel in danger already now. But it was really dumb. Really dumb. I haven't hesitated to bring it up on you. Uh, Bring it up to you. But one time we had an argument over pizza. Uh, it was not recent, and uh, but we were going to put some contents of pizza on it, and we were going to put she was going to put something on it, and I didn't want that, and and then it somehow became. Have you ever done this? An argument, and at the end of it, I realized we were arguing over a <coughs> topping on a pizza. Does anyone have any experience with this at all? 
I was arguing not to have pineapple on the pizza. <laughs> hey, serious stuff. You're laughing. But <clears throat> anybody else relate to these kinds of things? Okay, thank God. Someone argues for pineapple or not. At the end of it, I felt ridiculous. What when I just kind of came down and was like, I just fought a major man battle over pineapple. Now, it's not just in arguments. It's in all kinds of things. Hobbies, relationships, all kinds of these. Sometimes, someone will say something to you and you'll become cross with that person over something very quickly that was said. And it's because you're deciding to be angry about it. Yep? You agree? I have said before, I'm offended. <laughs> have you ever said that? I'm a, maybe this is hitting too close to home, but it's very serious. I'm offended. I've said that. I'm offended. Listen, let me tell you something. Um, all these things are real things you've got to deal with as people, right? I mean, we all have to deal with them. But, but what, what Paul is saying about, about joy is sometimes we lock in on things like that. And so we end up locking in on things like that. And then they kind of they have a turnover rate where we, we cycle through them. And pretty soon, you're kind of locking in on these trivial things. And your marriage, and your <coughs> job. Boy, it, it could be bad at the job. Well, that person didn't use the stapler right. Yeah. Didn't refill the copier. She always doesn't refill the copier. She's a, a copier abuser. And you're like, ugh. Because you're angry about it, but it's built up. And yeah, yeah, some people should show some common respect, right? And do their job, right? We all agree with that. <laughs> but, but really, some, some things just got to let go. You see, some things don't matter that much. Where it concerns Christ's kingdom and his mission for our city and for people's lives, just work with me. This isn't about not getting frustrated. We all deal with that. But this is, this is about really understanding what matters most. Paul says that what matters most is important. In fact, he used to think that some of the things in his life, some of the practices in his life, some of the things that he thought were important to, to having a relationship with God or even being a, a good Jew, right? He was a Jewish man and a Roman citizen. And so he had gone to school. He was a high religious leader, right? Everybody with me? So he spent his life as a Roman citizen, and so that was like top of the chart for anybody. And then he had spent his life being a, a very religious person, a, a leader. And he had done all of the rules, and he had walked just so many steps, and done all the holy days, and all the cleansings, and all the scripture study, and the phylacteries. They used to tie little boxes and stuff to their arms with scripture inside. He had, I think he'd probably done all of that stuff. And so he's saying, under number two, Philippians 3, 7, he's saying, I once thought these things were valuable, but I now consider them, underline this, worthless. Worthless because of what Christ has done. You see, following Jesus means that your values change. Your values change. Because you are transformed as a new creation in Christ. And so what's the struggle? The struggle here is that the culture, you can write that down, the culture has a different set of values. 
a lot of times. Now at Discovery, we do not teach that you should run away from the culture. Okay? We think you ought to be wise. We think you ought to be discerning. The Holy Spirit resides in you. So be discerning about the culture. But guys, listen. Nobody will understand who Christ is and what His love is about and what His forgiveness looks like and what His service looks like and what His sacrifice means. They'll understand this from from the Scripture, but they will see it lived out in your life. You see, you can read about it and it's valuable. We should know the Scripture. We should be hiding it in our heart, sharing it with others, uh, having it in our mind, right? Everybody with me? We should be using our, our heart and our mind to engage the Word of God. Because, because it draws closer to God, knows who His character is. You have a relationship with Him through prayer. I was taught growing up. I went, I went to a church. They taught me to have, this sounds a little silly, a quiet time. Now, if you know my son Micah, I was sort of like that. <laughs> so a quiet time was very challenging. <laughs> but when I got to be a teenager, and when I turned my life over to Christ, they began to teach me to, to engage God's Word. Yeah? To have a Bible. Now we have it on our phones, right? Or maybe, hopefully, you have a Bible at home. Maybe you, you brought it with you, but... To read it because you get to spend time with the Lord with it. You know Him. You spend time with Him. You, you know who He is, His character. And you know what? Because of he, the change you have in your life because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit's work in your life, then the values begin to shift. It doesn't happen before. You don't change your values and then try to be a good Christian. Because you know Jesus and because He's changing you, then your values change. It comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. Right? Everybody with me? Like, if you change, that's the way you change. Because God convicts you of sin. You go, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. I really shouldn't have done this. I, I make mistakes. My sin separates me from God. You understand the, the, the gravity of that. And because of that, you, you understand that there are certain things in your life. Things that you've done. Things that... You've been challenged by. Sins you've fallen into. Mistakes you've made. Everybody with me? Mm -hmm. That you begin to see people differently. You see, Paul says, remember what matters most because the values change because of your life. Look at what he says at the very bottom in 1 John 2. He says, for the world offers, this is about culture, only a craving for physical pleasure... A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. And they're not from the Father, but of this world. You see, we can get sidetracked with that. There's a danger to that. And then you start remembering what matters most is not in Christ and His work in your life. And in these shifting values because you're a new creation in Christ. But, but you begin to seem to think that, you, that enjoying the culture or taking pleasure in the culture is okay. Now, I believe that God... Created this world for us to enjoy. Like, everybody with me? It's, yeah. it's a good gift. This isn't a big slam on culture. But it means if you're drawing and deriving your values from culture, if your heart and your decisions and your reactions and your responses and the leadership of your life is being derived from lots of things from culture, that you should maybe take a pause and take a step back and realize... You know what? The reason you're in this culture is to bring glory to Christ. And the values in your life 
shift because of that. Paul says this is important. It's, it's vital that you understand. And if you want to experience joy, remember what matters most. If you want to experience joy, you have to relax in God's grace. Are you with me? Remember what matters most. Relax in God's grace. And then here's number three. Here's number three. A daily practice is to get to know Jesus better. We, we just talked about this. Because when you know Christ better, and when you know who He is and know His character better, then, then guess what? You're going to grow in Him deeper. A deepening relationship with Christ is essential to experiencing this joy. Now, I think sometimes in Christianity, and sometimes in life, our goal is to complete a checklist. Sometimes... How many of you are big achievers and you want to achieve things? If, if you, it's not bad. I'm not, gonna, I'm not coming after you. If you want, to, if you feel good when you achieve things, raise your hand. The rest of you, what, what does that make you? <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so awkward. People are like, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing. A lot of people function in their lives with a checklist. Now, how many of you make a regular to-do list every day? Anybody every day? There's no shame. No shame. How many of you make it every now and then? How many of you make your list after you've done things and then you check them off and you go, praise Jesus, I'm successful. Back in the way back, okay? That's me sometimes. I'm like, I've done five things. Let me make my list of six things. Oh, man, I'm a leader. It's awesome. Yeah, baby. Woo! I got it. Yeah. Heather's like, how'd you do today? I completed six things before I made my list. The things I completed... That's what I put on my list. <laughs> now, the thing about this is, is we're talking about getting to know Christ better, not like he's some friend you're going to have dinner with once a week. This is the king of your life. Are you with me? This is not meant to be a casual encounter. This is not meant to be a, t- a thing that you think of once a week. No, I love you. On Sunday. This relationship with Christ is not an event you attend. This church is made up of redeemed followers of Christ. We are called to a mission. We are called to a city, a neighborhood, our neighbors, and to a king who is eternal. We are called to that, and that is the church. And we multiply and we use our spiritual gifts together. And guess what? For you to grow more and more like Christ. For you to get to know Jesus better. It doesn't just happen automatically. And it doesn't happen accidentally. You're not going to fall into (laughs) a greater knowledge of Christ. and And a deeper relationship with Him. By the way, knowledge does not always mean relationship. You can know a lot of facts about Jesus. Paul did. He knew a lot of facts about his faith. But Jesus changed his life. Transformed him. A daily practice is to get to know Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power 
Underline that. Experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, that's a daily reality Paul is talking about wanting to experience and be a part of. He goes, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. He's saying that on a daily basis, on a, on a regular basis, he wants to deepen and grow in his relationship with Christ. And so that he understands the power and the glory of who Jesus is, about the suffering that he had on the cross, and understand that, that Jesus brings eternal life. Now, what's the big barrier to this? I want to see if you can guess what you feel like the struggle might be to deepening your relationship with Christ or becoming uh, knowing Christ better. Does anyone want to guess? Just We'll just have some fun here for a moment. Does anyone want to guess what the barrier would be to that? Time? Busy. Time. Busy. Yeah, you can write the word busyness. Huge. Win anything? <laughs> what do you want? I don't know what I got. <laughs> I got a receipt. <laughs> For those of you who won prizes, meet me after. <laughs> uh, I can see me digging around the closet looking for some prizes from Oriental Trading Company. <laughs> now, listen to this. Listen to this. Um, the busyness. Is, is if you think about how busy you are and you think about some of the verses where you know God more and you begin to learn Him. I, wanna, I want you to draw your attention to this verse. Psalm 46.10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, one of the key parts of knowing that I am God is to what? Be still. Be still. Say it again. Be still. Be still. Now, listen. If your schedule and mine is like this, I feel this. This is an uncomfortable point to teach. Because I feel... Very stretched. You may too. <clears throat> so how are you going to put in place the daily practices? Not to add more to your schedule, right? Not to add another thing that you've got to do. See, don't look at it that way. You can't do that. Because as you walk out of here and you're walking to your car and you're like unlocking your car, you're like, oh gosh, there's like five things I've got to do now. See, that's, the, that's a, right? Mm-hmm. That's a wrong mentality. You're free in Christ. He loves you and died for you. Right? So relax. What matters most? Guess what? The painful truth of that is that there are some things that don't matter a lot that probably should be cut out of your life. True. Pettiness. Arguments. Things that cause strife. Other things. But then, to get to know Jesus better, you've got to tamp down some busyness. <coughs> How's that happen? There's no other way to say it. I'm not going to be that pastor that stands up here and goes, you know what? I think you can fit it in. I think you can fit it in. You're going 24 hours a day, but I think if you take two minutes off this block of time and three minutes here and you add them together, you'll have five minutes for Jesus' time. You know what? It doesn't work that way. Everybody with me? Smile. It's cool. I'm in the same boat you are. But you have to have... Maybe for you it's in the morning. Everybody's like, no, uh I barely make it in the morning. Okay. What about the evening? No, uh I'm barely alive in the evening. What about midday? Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm starving. Why only time to eat? What about four seventeen? Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm thinking about going home. 
win-win. You see, my thought is that you'll always have a reason to continue to build this giant mound of busyness. And some of it's really important stuff, and it's good stuff. Don't hear me say that, right? I'm not ragging on you. But you know what? Your joy comes from Christ. It's a long-term, daily, when stuff is good and bad, and stuff is hard and, and difficult, when stuff is great, to experience joy and to live out of an overflow of joy means that you're knowing Christ more. And that requires you to spend time knowing Him and praying to Him and maybe journaling about what He's teaching you. And that leads us to number four, right? Our daily practice, right? So we've talked about a couple. We've talked about relaxing in God's grace. We've talked about uh, remembering what matters most. We've talked about getting to know Jesus better, not just as like a friend, like our dinner meeting, but I mean, really, who, who, He's King. He's King of your life. And then number four, daily practice is review. Review. That sounds like a school word, but I decided to use it. Review where I need to grow. Review where I need to grow. You know, review where I need to grow is just a daily check-in of saying, how, how, God, do I need to change today? This single practice, daily practice, will God will use it in a significant way to change your life. Listen to what the psalmist says. I love this. So good. Search me, oh God. You might just put a little box around that. That's a great little prayer to pray. You know why? Because everything that God might want to change about you, convict you in, encourage you in, you may not be aware of. Did you know that? You, you, you may not be aware. Somebody's like, well, that's great. Thanks for telling me. I'm not aware of it. But you know what? That's why you pray and say, God, oh, search me, oh God. That's why the psalmist is saying it. Search me, oh God. Because God knows you better than anybody. He knows your fears, your strengths, your struggles, your sins, your darkness, your past. Everybody with me? He knows all of it. So when you say search me, it's an acknowledgement of saying, I just want to lay myself before you. I want to, I want to come before you, God. And then, and then the next part, which is better, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know what I think the psalmist is saying there? I think this passage of Scripture, know, know, my, know my anxious thoughts. It's so true of our, of, of our humanity. We are anxious people at times. Anxious about a lot of things. Sometimes having the creator of the universe and coming into relationship with them, knowing those anxious thoughts, being able to share them. You know what? It's hugely important because it invites you into a relationship of prayer. And being able to talk to God freely and openly, it's one of the marks of maturing in Christ. That God has given you this great gift of speaking with Him right directly because of the Holy Spirit within you. That you can speak and pray. Now many of us today, we diminish prayer. I'm one of those people. I, I do it all the time. And there's something going on, and there's something that's wrong. 
I think of all the solutions for the wrong. But if you live with someone who 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 does speak about prayer more, because I think her mind and her heart kind of she has that gift. My wife does. She'll say, Well, have you prayed about it? I take a big glass of water. <laughs> well, I have thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, many times, all the time. The minute I begin praying about something, is when I open my heart up and I say, God, I'm really yours. Yeah, I'm really yours. This is going to be my thing. I'm either going to be settled with what you're doing. Are you going to direct my mind? Are you going to convict me of sin? Are you going to change my attitude? But I'm opening this to you and saying, please do that. My prayer might start with, I don't understand these people. I don't understand this situation. And oftentimes, the ending of my prayer is, God, that first thing I said, <laughs> I was probably off on that. Why? Because even in the midst of that prayer, it's changed my heart. Changed my mind. You see, spending the time with God changes you. Point out anything, verse 24, point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Paul says this. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on, right? He says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed for me. Noted, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. In other words, he's saying right there that one of the big traps for this is pride. A big struggle area for this area of, of knowing where you need to grow is pride. Because pride says, I don't really need to do this I don't really need to look at my life. I don't really need to open my heart this much. I don't really need to expose myself to God this much. I don't need to pray this way. I don't need religion. I don't need this crutch. I don't need this. See, that's what people say. It's pride. It's pride bubbling up. And saying you're, you're greater, or you have greater knowledge, you have greater ingenuity, you have greater understanding. I love this in, in the message which is um, another translation of scripture, but it's kind of a, it's said in modern, modern language. And it says um, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. So you might write this to the side of your notes. You could look this up in your, in your Bible later. But this is kind of a modern translation, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Um, here under number four. Um, it's not, I don't think it's in your notes. But it says, uh, it says, test yourselves. Right? It says, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. <laughs> Don't drift along taking everything for granted. How many times do we do that? Uh, give yourselves regular checkups. Now, this made me sound, this sound like an automobile. Like, I don't want to take my car. All I think about when I take my car is how much money are they going to get from me. Does anyone else think that? Or is anyone like a great car mechanic? Because I need to know who you are. 
Okay, no one wants to admit it. Oh, God, bless you. Yes, that's awesome. I've got your name, bro. Uh, just kidding, just kidding, man. Seriously, okay? A checkup identifies things that aren't, that aren't running right, okay? It identifies things. If you take your car in, right, and you hook it up to that machine, you get a code back, great. What does that mean? It means you owe us $500. I'm just kidding. But for you, when you're in the Scripture and you're having these times with the Lord, God brings these things up. Other people bring things up. I've had somebody say different things to me at uh, different times. And I've gone home and I've gone, you know, I really need to think through this in my life. Have you ever had that happen? I need to think through this area. I need to think through. Am I really, am I really operating this way? Am I really functioning this way? Do I really think this more often than not? Do I really treat people like that? You know what I'm saying? Do I really do this? When somebody says that to you and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and their intentions are godly and to bring glory to God, then, then guess what? You can really look at it and go, this is something that's really important. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Right? Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. In other words... In other words, what Paul's saying in this little paraphrased version, it's a fun version, okay, and it's not, you know, it's not, it's not the translation from the original, okay, but, but here's what he's saying. You know, take regular time to examine closely your life. Examine closely your life. And then number five on the back, okay, on the back. So pride is the struggle area. So to experience joy, put these practices into, 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 into place in your life. And then here's the last one. And this is real important. Uh, forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. So many people that I know get trapped in the past. In grudges, in hurts, in emotional hurts, physical hurts. Some people in this room have been deeply hurt in family situations, in marriages. <clears throat> and I- I'm not saying that you don't have to walk a path to heal and grow. And I'm not really saying that, okay? But sometimes we let those things continue on to hold a very large place in our life. And I don't mean like as a memory. I mean like it's dominating and, and affecting how you respond to people, how you respond to God, how you view things. Sometimes those things can, can go for so long that you become tethered very strongly to that past thing. And it begins to define, really, so much for who you are. Instead of Christ defining who you are. Instead of Him being a new creation, you being a new creation in Christ. Instead of His resurrection and His death on the cross defining who you are. Okay? So, he says, Paul says, in the same way, he was in the same boat. That as he writes this letter to the Philippians, most of his life, has been in opposition to what he understood was God. He had been a great Jewish person. He'd been a religious leader. But then he had persecuted believers. And he had worked against the the work of God. And, And so here he is in jail writing about joy. (laughs) How's that work? That's where he is. Paul's in jail teaching us about joy. He's either extremely bold... Or he's really dumb. But here he is. He's writing this letter. And he says this in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He goes, I'm focusing. I'm focusing, right? 
all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of this race and receive the prize which God through Jesus Christ is calling us up to heaven. In other words, his focus, his truth, his reality is on Christ and him crucified. And though he has significant past, though he has significant baggage, though he has significant choices that were unwise, though he has significant misgivings, though he has significant troubles, his, his goal is to strain toward what lies ahead and not what is behind. You see, you can live for what's behind you. Very subtly. It can be the dominating, leading force in your life. And, 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 and Paul's saying, no, let Christ be that. And look forward to what he's doing. And look forward to how he's moving. And look forward to how he's working. <coughs> you see, these, these habits put in place are important. And so... With this last struggle area, as we kind of wrap up, I think a big area that you kind of contained is regrets. Yeah? Regrets. You think about things in the past. You go, I wish I would have. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. And unforgiveness. I shared something with somebody that experienced a significant loss recently. And was very upset took a phone call and they were talking to me about this loss. A family member had passed away and they were in a tough place because they were thinking about, right? All the lost opportunities. Because sometimes when we're grieving and we're hurting, not just in death or, but in life where things have not worked out the way we ever imagined. Are you with me? Marriages and friendships and kids and right faith even has not worked out. We can find ourselves standing in a single place. Everybody with me? Not moving anywhere. And just looking back and wishing something was different. Let me tell you this. God is a God who heals and restores. Let me tell you this. For you, He is a future-looking God. It's not that He doesn't see your mistakes, but He sent His Son to die for every one of them. So that from this day forward, you would never have to look back again. But you only get to look toward Him and look toward His grace and His purpose. Right? Everybody with me? And, and, and His way He was going to use you and His calling on your life and, and His gifting of your life and His truth over your life from His Word and not all the past mistakes and fallacies. You see, it's healthy to look back and reflect. It's unhealthy to focus only on that. Only on regrets. Only on unforgiveness. Let me ask you to do this. Would you do this one? Just bow your heads right now. Just quiet yourself in this moment.
I don't want you to leave this place and not realize that God has called you to rest in His grace. Daily to experience this joy. You've got to rest in His grace. Don't add anything to it. You've got to focus on what matters most. Develop that relationship closer and closer with Christ. Do you spend time with Him? Are you knowing His Word? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you, are you putting into practice? Right? It's not enough just to learn about information about Him. To be in relationship with Him, that's different. It's active, it's dynamic, it's growing, it's changing, it's molding you. Amen? It's molding you, it's shaping you. You're becoming a new person, a new man of God, a new woman of God. Focus on that. Then look at your life as a daily practice. What what needs to change? What needs to change? Where do I need to grow? And then and then don't focus on those past things. Move forward and focus on Christ and on a future with Christ. Maybe you're here today, and this is something a significant struggle. I just want to pray of your life. The only way you can experience joy is through Christ. Father, in your name, I pray for every person here that they would experience joy because of a relationship that's growing because of you. And that they are walking closely with you, being changed by you, growing in you, and being defined by you for your glory, for your goodness, so they can live on mission in this place, in their family, in their workplace, in their marriage, with people that are hard to love, and with their past. Father, we want you to be king. We give you this time. We're all in a way as you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, grab your connection card. Take just a minute and finish up the things that, that you need to finish there. And also, uh, just make a way uh, for you to be able to, to, uh, to put your connection card uh, in, the, in the back, in the basket as you leave. Uh, take just a minute and finish that stuff out. And also... Uh, in your offering envelope. This is a time where we give and if you feel like this is your spiritual family and this is part of where you attend church and and what you do and how you are activated by the mission of this church, I I just would love for you to be a part of of the vision of this church. And So as we stand up and sing for the last time, I want to encourage you to turn your connection card in and if you have time and you want to give, then there's a basket on the back table and you can drop your connection card and your giving right there. Also, right after the service, there's going to be a time right here where the women can gather and uh, we'll be meeting very quickly here in the next five or ten minutes right here up at the front. So if you can stay for that, I hope you can. And uh, if you need to sign up for the brunch, it's right around the corner. All right, let's stand up. All right, you guys look great. And have such a good day today. Let's sing to the Lord and let's praise Him for who He is. Now on the free.